Hello and welcome to another episode, season 3, episode 5 of the Round the Outside podcast. Thank you so much for joining us um, and listening today. Oh my gosh, we've got so much to talk about. Um, Yeah, I don't know, honestly, I don't know where to start. I mean, first of all, I mean, England are world champions. Um, England are officially... White ball world champions. They won the world ODI World Cup and the T Twenty World Cup. We've had an unbelievable um, Grand Prix in Brazil, including an unbelievable qualifying, unbelievable sprint. Literally every part of it was brilliant. One of the best races of the season. And yeah, on on a little bit more controversial side, there was that interview, that Piers Morgan interview with Cristiano Ronaldo, which I'll be. Um, diving into a little bit later on. Actually, let's go straight into that right now. So, as some of you may have heard, um, there's been an interview that's come on Piers Morgan Uncensored, which is basically a new show that Piers Morgan runs after he was sacked from Good Morning Britain. So, he has his, his own show, and he had an interview with Cristiano Ronaldo. Now, the full interview hasn't been put up. Um, I would I, I would be saying, oh, Go, um, go watch it now. Um, this one uh, spoilers, but there's only been a couple snippets of the interview. The the full interview will come out in the UK um, on on Wednesday at eight pm. So you can watch that. I think it's on, I think it's on like every every news channel in the world because um, it's it's like big stuff. Um, like it's really really good stuff. Let's be honest. Um, I thought I'm. I think a lot of people have very split opinions on it. Um, if I'm being honest, a lot of people might think uh, that Ronaldo's in the right, Man United are in the right. Uh, maybe they're both in the right. I don't know how you can get <laughs> how you can get um, an argument for that, but it, it's possible. But. If I'm being honest, I'm honestly, I think I'm actually, I actually think I'm one of those people who's, I'm not sure I'm rooting for. Because on one hand, Ronaldo, I think, should be defended, considering what of what he said. And I, I believe what he said, because he's given actual evidence to prove it. Um, like, um, he was playing, he played the Glazers in the recent snippet that was given today. Um, but the na- but the main one said... That he felt he felt betrayed, um, and he felt betrayed by the club, and he didn't respect Eric Ten Hag. That was what was like. That was the that was the main thing. Um, the main takeaways after after um, the interview came out from um, after the Fulham game, which was a brilliant game. Uh, Garnacho in the final minutes getting a last minute equaliser. He is an absolute talent to be watched out for. Um, but anyway, after that Fulham game, these are the main takeaways um, from the interview that was published from The Sun first. Um, people at the club were trying to force me out. There's been no evolution at the club since Alex Ferguson's departure in 2013. And, the, and even the Scott agreed uh, with that United were not on the path that they deserved to be. Um, he also said that the club showed a lack of empathy when my young daughter was hospitalised in July. He had never heard of previous manager Ralph Ragnick. And he did not know why former teammate Wayne Rooney criticising, adding probably because he finished career, his career and I'm still playing. 
So the interview will be shown over two nights over Wednesday and Thursday. Um, as I said, I didn't say, sorry. Um, it will be shown over Wednesday and Thursday. That's my bad. But I think there's a lot of things that I really, I don't get. Like, he is, he has never heard of the premium financial Ralph Ragnick. So? I mean, like, <laughs> what, do you think he, like, do you, do you think he's been, like, like a, a, a serial killer or something? Like, no one, I don't think anyone cares if you've never heard of him. Like, he, he might be good, even if you've never heard of him. I think Ralph Rednick was probably the best appointment that time, actually. Um, yeah, he didn't do a great job because he wasn't given the best players. He couldn't really do much um, in terms of improving the squad. But I think Ralph Ragnick, he was supposed to go into um consultancy role for two years after his coaching after his coaching role. And he did say actually the right things for Matt Manchester United, saying the club needs open heart surgery, the club needs to be changed. So I think Ralph Ragnick, I think I agree I disagree with Rana on that one. Because Ralph Ragnick actually had the right the right philosophies. Just that he couldn't be he wasn't able to adopt them into the club. Um because he, that's what that's what he was supposed to do in this uh, consulting role for two years. Um, consultancy. So, they didn't listen to him, which is why the club is now rotting, rusting, which ha- it has been for the last uh, ten, nine, ten so years. Um, I also agree in the fact there's no evolution. Ronaldo, some of the points Ronaldo has made, I'll be honest, are some of the points that the fans have been crying out for. The, the Glazer protests, that's true. The fact that there's been no movement in the club whatsoever is so true. I agree with him on that. However, there are some things where I just draw a line, man. I just draw a line. Like, people at the club um, were trying to force him out. Okay, maybe I don't draw, draw a line on that. Some things like, oh, I'm not friends. I'm not friends with Gary Neville. I'm not friends with, with, Rain, with Wayne Rooney. That's, I would actually say, I think Gary Neville... Um, had something to do with that. I think Gary Neville was way too critical of Man United. I think... I, I Okay, I love Gary Neville. I love Sky TV. Um, it's just that I feel like they... What they say appeals to a much more football-y audience. Like, um, like I think some of the stuff Gary Neville says, oh, he's always backing Ronaldo. You know, he, He's always trying to be his friend. But I think, like... As an old, like it's sort of the life life lesson as well. When you're always trying to be someone's friend, it didn't really work out very well. Um, it, you're sort of like chasing something, and I think Gary Neville just ran out of breath um, in that chase. Um, but yeah, the other things was that like if if they have shown a lack of empty, um, like he said, I I was showing a lack of empathy um, when my young daughter was hospitalised in July. No one no one showed me any sort of Sorrow and nobody checked up on me during this period, which is why I had to miss preseason. If that's true, then that is a shame on the club. That is a shame on the club. And you're saying that oh, at Manchester United, we're trying to be a family. We're also trying to stop like in the online abuse campaign just starting. Well, look after your players then. This is disrespectful. This is just disrespectful. He's also said you know he had no, um, no. Respect for Ten Hag, okay. I mean, that's the same thing. Like, like I said for Ralph Ragnick, you know, just because you know, um, I mean, actually, there, there is a reason. 
He said, I don't have respect for him because he doesn't show respect for me. Ronaldo said, if you don't have respect for me, I'm never going to have respect for you. Um, so this is what, um, after, after, that, after that happened and after everything happened, um, on match day two, Jermaine Genus had this to say. Yeah, I know a lot said about Ronaldo, but you look, it's so difficult to, to watch that game and not think about Ronaldo. You know, you know, maybe if he was playing, you know, one of those, one of those chances might have been converted. It's, it's, it's hard to see past that. Well, mm. strange you should mention yeah. uh, Ronaldo, who uh, missed today because of illness, uh, but has also done an, e uh, an interview with Piers Morgan. Uh, and I've got some of the quotes from the interview uh, in front of us. Uh, Piers Morgan said to him, uh, they're trying to force you out. Ronaldo says to Morgan, yes, not only the coach, but the other two or three guys that are around the club. Morgan says at senior executive level, and Ronaldo says, yes, I felt betrayed. Morgan says, you think they're trying to get rid of you? Ronaldo says, honestly, I shouldn't say that, I don't know, but listen, I don't care. People should listen to the truth. I feel betrayed, and I feel that some people don't want me here, not only this year, but last year too. Thoughts? First of all, I, I'm totally baffled and confused as to why he's done this interview, if I'm totally honest with you. Um, today, the timing of it, um, I think it leads you to just how Cristiano Ronaldo is obviously feeling right now and how he's felt all season. We've seen nothing but um, almost petulance throughout the whole year with the kind of like walking down a tunnel. Um, today, supposedly... Well, he said he was ill on the sheet anyway. I don't yep. know what's actually been re reported, but now he's, he's doing interviews with Piers Morgan. Look, he's a frustrated player. And I, I, I've said from day one, I think that the whole situation has been mismanaged by the club with, with Cristiano Ronaldo this year. And whether he feels lied to or not, yeah. today just don't feel right to me. It feels, it feels, I don't think it's going to help him with the Manchester United. I think, I think it's disappointing. That's what Jermaine Genius had to say. And actually, I kind of agree with him. Um... In terms of the fact that, you know, Ronaldo had been sort of, maybe he's been ill, you know, he's been talking to Piers Morgan, he's probably, he's, you know, why has he done it in the first place? It's, I think it's probably a way of him trying to get us, uh, get out of the club and sort of speak out, which is a good thing to do, but it's sort of a way, I think, for him to get out of the club, being honest. And I think he's just trying to sag, sag them off, you know, Put a bit of pressure on them, which in the end will um, get him get him out of the club. Uh, what fin finally and then sticking quite long, um, but uh, that's a little other snippet from Jamie Carragher um, from Jermaine Genius. But uh, Jamie Carragher said he wants to be sacked. I th sacked. I think that's obvious. Um, I think he's disrespecting Man United and Eric Ten Hag. I think that he's now basically trying to be sacked or allowed to leave the on a free by a club by the club. Because that's the only way he's going to get out. Um, so, moving on to a World Cup final. And it wasn't any other World Cup final, was it? Because England are the world champions. Yes, the world champions in both One Day and T20 cricket. Um, wow. I, I don't know where to start. I mean, there are so many... They, I think... Um, you know, obviously... It was Ben Stokes in the end. He's just so good in World Cup finals, isn't he? I think, I think I I said about Ben Stokes um, at the start of the year. Um, there's a podcast I did with uh, Cricket Guy One Two Four. You can go check that out. I said with him at the, I I was on a podcast with him, and I said at the start at the start of the, 
of the tournament that I didn't think Ben Stokes was going to do unbelievably well. I thought it would be okay. I thought he would just be someone who bowls and doesn't really bat very well, and he's just there because he needs to be backed. Um, that was wrong. I was so wrong. Um, I, I, I don't know how I've managed to fluff this prediction. I, I don't know how I've managed to do this. But uh, Ben Stokes ended up getting his first ever, his maiden T2050 in the World Cup final. Not a bad time to get it. And um, he also, he was also like towards the end, he was, especially after I think Shaheen Afridi got injured, he was really sort of taking advantage of that. He was, it was a calm inning. It wasn't like a smash every ball for six in sort of innings like we've seen in the test team. It was just so, it was so calm, patient. And it was sort of a measuring because he knew what to do. That was the key thing. England knew what they needed to do. Came in, bowled first on a pretty good wicket. Um, I think that it. I think they've been happy at one thirty-seven, considering that they, um, Pakistan were probably looking at a one sixty. Got them done with a no to spare. It was a little bit hesitant, being honest, because Hales went. Uh, Moinali played a nice little cameo. Uh, I think, yeah, but, Butler felt a little shaky, 26 from 17, which was a nice knock, but then he went, uh, Salt went, he was a bit into iffy as well. Uh, Brooke was also very good, less than a runnable, um, 20, 20 though, uh, Liv- yeah, and then obviously uh, Livo there at the end um, to get get them over the line. All in all, uh, I think England, the, the, the tournament was won by the best team. Let's say that. And I'm not saying that because I'm an England fan. Let's be honest. England was the best team in the whole tournament. Beat India by 10 wickets, who are probably going to... Let's be honest, probably one of the best teams in in the to- tournament by far. Um, I think especially after that defeat to Ireland, that was that was a big thing. The defeat to Ireland really held them back. Uh, and also the washout into Australia that followed that. That really, really sort of held them back a lot and they need to win all their games. It was sort of high octane situation, just like, you know, the World Cup. So, obviously at that point you think, oh, deja vu, they're going to do it again. History repeats itself. It's going to happen. And that's what that's what happened. They just managed, they managed to get over the line. Before we, I think, we, we, I've been like, starring the batting a lot and praising them. Let's look at the bowling. The bowling was actually the one that kept England in the game. Sam Curran was brilliant, uh, three for twelve from his four overs. Got player of the tournament as well. Some people might not be saying it's deserved because I think honestly, I think Sky, I think Sky Yadav or I think one of the England players, Alex Hales maybe or Joss Butler, should have got it. Um, but I think yeah, if probably Sam Curran, just the fact that he's broken through um, and also the stats. Have also been very good. Um, you know, six games in the tournament, thirteen wickets, pretty good average, pretty good economy, especially to into those death overs. He's been called on every time England England have needed him. Let's. I think he's been brilliant, honestly. Um, personally, I think this England team going into I think about six months, six months um, before this um, World Cup. I think a lot of people have been saying, "Oh, this is um, this is probably not going to be as good a World Cup as we'd have hoped." Um, probably, I, I, 
let's say if we get out the groups, that'll be good. Don't expect us to go far. Um, but I think a lot of people, including me, uh, forgot about you know, the fact that there's now that was a transition period, and there needs to be that period at one at one point to sort of um, set for uh, Butler to settle in and be able to settle into the captaincy, obviously, and just get get into the mood of it and just get used to everything. And that's what he's done, and it was brilliant. Um, always had to make shift with the team because they didn't have like five first team players because they didn't have Archer, no Bearstone, no Milan, no Topley, no Mark Wood, who's been brilliant this um tournament. Um, and yeah, now they've got three ODIs against Australia to be um prepare to prepare for. Personally, I don't think that series has been positioned very well because um it, it's right it's right in the fire and like, just let them rest. Let them rest. What's wrong with letting them rest? Um, that's fine anyway. Um, <laughs> more cri- more cricket for us fans. That's great. Um, they're the first men's team to learn the one one day in T Twenty World Cup. They've got to be in the reckoning. They've got to be in the reckoning for one. They have England's white ball team of twenty, let's say twenty sixteen, maybe or twenty nineteen, and twenty twenty two has to be in the reckoning. This sort of period of white ball team has to be in the reckoning for being one of the greatest white ball teams, if not the greatest. I think they are the greatest white ball team. Okay, and I'm not. I'm, okay, I'm not trying to be biased. I'm just saying. I just think they are. I think that looking looking at how how good they've been, and just looking at how they've been so well rounded, and I think they're going to win more. They've got a fifty over title to defend um, in India. I don't think they'll win that, being honest. I think India are going to win that because they're on home soil. Um, but then, they're coming to the US and the Caribbean. Hopefully, they can win there. Uh, Archer and Bairstow are going to be out. A lot of people are going to be out. I honestly see this. Um, just It's just going to get better, honestly. It's going to get better and better and better and better. I, I, honestly, I just think it, English cricket just going up. It's going up and up and up and up, and I'm so excited to see how it, see how it goes on. Uh, moving on then to a brilliant Sao Paulo Brazilian Grand Prix. Um, Mister Mister Consistent, Mister Consistent. George Russell is the type of guy to put it on pole in the sprint and then go on and win the race ahead of Lewis Hamilton. It's I think it's unbelievable. It, Mercedes at the start of the season. They qualified 5th and ninth, just um, in Bahrain. They looked off the pace. Hamilton gave knocked down Q1. The start of the season just looked so bad, and they just didn't look like they would get to the front at all and just think they'd get 3rd or 4th this year. They've been unbelievable in the second half of the season. I think Spa, they're a bit so... Okay, yeah, some tracks have probably suited them a little bit better than others, um, probably because of the strength of them, the fact that their cars... The fastest in the high speed corners, and their car's probably a little bit faster. It's it's circuits like Interlagos, um, compared to sort of Max and so in the sprint race, Russell was so much quicker than Max. I'm not sure if that was due to the fact that um, Max was on mediums and George was on softs, or just pure pace. I'm not sure about that. Um, but yeah, it gives them a really good foundation going into next year where 
it's probably it's probably a threshold moment where they can they can say okay we're we're gonna carry on trying to develop this car we're not gonna develop going into Abu Dhabi but we're gonna develop this car over the winter and make a even better car using the information we we got and continue where we left off in Bahrain next year because if they continue where they left off where they left off in um Bahrain from where they are now this is definitely gonna be a team that's sort of pushing towards the front. Um, definitely pushing for podiums. Probably Red Bull and Mercedes are going to be uh, top teams next year for sure. Um, at least that's what I hope. I don't think Ferrari will be good enough for that. Um, considering the way they're going, it's just it's just not it's not it's not uh, possible. Um, yeah, it's first one two for Mercedes since Imola twenty twenty. Russell two he had two uh, race restarts that you needed to nail down. Um, yeah, so safety car research, I should say, uh, I should say, um, that he had to nail down, he did that, um, very well, kept Hamilton at bay, and I think, which is brilliant, he was brilliant, um, all, all weekend, he was just, he was just absolutely brilliant, um, it's nice to see sort of a different winner once in a while, um, if that just happens a little bit more, that'll be nice, but yeah, 24 races next season, Let's see if they can get any more wins. I mean, I I really hope they do. Honestly, um, but yeah, Mercedes. It's a brilliant product, and I think they are. It's this is pretty a sort of a developing year. Uh, Lewis has developed some setups on his car. George has as well. I think a little bit. Um, they've got a little bit more accustomed to the setups, a little bit more accustomed to the car, and now they're here. So if they take the information they've taken from this year and take it into next year's car. They'll be just the sky's the limit, and yeah. Let's can we talk about that qualifying? I mean, like Kevin Magnussen. When where did it? Where was this in the script? Kevin Magnussen getting his first pole position. I mean, let's talk about it, shall we? It's I think the own the chaos ensued in Q three, didn't it? Um, the first thing happening, Kevin Magnussen goes out on soft tires first, nails down a lap that nobody else can beat. And yeah, Leclerc, Leclerc was probably. I think Leclerc was probably going to be the closest to beat it because he was on. He's been great with quality pace, but Ferrari actually sent him out on inters because there was rain. Well, there wasn't any rain um, in the final sector. There was no rain. That was another bad strategy decision from Ferrari. Um, so yeah, uh, George Russell, he got locked up, goes straight on, aquaplaning into the gravel, uh, bring out the red flag. And then as. As the red flag, during the red flag, the rain gods ensue. The rain gods from above ensue, giving Haas the perfect position. The perfect position to take pole. And in the end, they come back out to Inter's conditions where there was no chance no one was going to beat that 111 uh, that Magnussen had set. Magnussen gets pole. Okay, yeah, he didn't do very well in the sprint. Definitely not in the race because he crashed with Ricardo in the first lap. But... Oh, it was unbelievable. Unbelievable. This is what you live for in Formula 1. Just the shocks and just the underdog coming through um, to take um, to take victory. That's always... The tortoise always um, sometimes just, just beating the hare. That's always what you want to see um, in Formula 1. So that's great. Um, so, yeah. Um, that's where I'm going to... Um, ended off for this podcast. Um, 
I'll be doing a, um, hopefully being able to upload uh, a podcast at the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. I'll try and get these episodes in, like, weekly, as I said. Um, so, sorry if this was a little bit longer than maybe expected. Uh, but thank you so much for listening. Please share this to as many people as you can. Uh, it would mean the world to me. And, yeah, thank you so much for listening and goodbye.